Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, here we are in the final week of 40 Days in the Word. And for the last five weeks and now the sixth week, our purpose was this. We wanted to learn to love the Word. We wanted to learn to learn the Word. But most importantly, we wanted to learn to live out God's Word. And so I don't know how you have been doing in that walk, but um, I would encourage you if uh, it's not too late... Like, this is one of those timeless truths, and you just don't have to do it while we're having a new series going on. You have an opportunity. If you want your life transformed, uh, the, the way to get that transformation is through God's Word. So this week, we are, the topic is, pray it. And um, I'm going to teach you, this is one method of Bible study that uh, I'm sure many people have used, but maybe haven't used it as effectively as they could. And so I want to share with you today how that we can learn to take God's word, pray it back to God, and how that can make a massive difference in our lives. Uh, But before I do that, I want to share with you, why is it that we choose to build on God's word? Why is it that we want this to be the foundation upon all of our life? Well, the answer is very clear in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, and it says this. Everyone who hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And if you remember, just a couple of weeks ago, I shared this verse, and I went on and I showed you that if uh, Jesus said, but the person who doesn't, Take these words after they hear them and apply them in their lives. They are like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. You know, and and, and unfortunately, many times in our lives, we find ourselves building on unreliable foundations. And I want to share with you four different foundations that you may fall into the trap of building on. and, And you know that you don't want to build on the sand, but you end up building there anyways because you're not aware that that it is a unreliable foundation. Now, the first one is this. Popular culture. You know, it's easy, it is so easy in 2019 for us to get lost in all of those things that are going on around the world and to find ourselves looking at those things instead of looking at God's very word. And he says it this way in Exodus uh, chapter 23 and verse 2. He says, do not follow the crowd in wrongdoing. Now, um, it's interesting if you uh, turn in your Bibles to the the book of Exodus and uh, chapter 23 and and you see that it says that not to do that, but here's what's, um, what's challenging for us is that many times we find ourselves looking, even though we don't want to, we find ourselves surrounding ourselves and looking at the way other people are building their lives, and we quit looking at God's word, we quit looking at the truth, and when we do that, all we're doing is building our lives on a foundation that's going to crumble one day. It's going to, the, the, whatever we're taking our lives and, and building up on, one day, if it's not God's word, it will crumble. And the, th- the life as we know it will change very dramatically. Well, maybe it's not uh, that you see 
uh, what they say in Exodus 23. And maybe it's not that popular culture is something that, that you find yourself building your life on. Sometimes in the church, one of the unreliable foundations that we build on is tradition. You know, we've got to be careful. Because a lot of times in the church we will take the way that, you know, because it's very easy for me since I've been uh, four years old, been in church. It's very easy for me to go to those things that that make me very comfortable because there are a lot of them. And it's super easy for me to just rely on that. But here's what uh, Jesus told his disciples in the book of Mark in chapter 7 and and verse 8. He said this, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Now, if you were to open up your Bible and you look at that passage and you look at the context of it, in verse 5 it says this, And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples walk according to the tradition, or why do they not walk according to the traditions of the elders? But eat with defiled hands. And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your own tradition. If you jump down to verse 14, it says this, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside of a person that is going to or can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, the disciples asked him about the parable. And he said, then you also are without understanding. Do you not see that wherever or whatever goes into the person from outside cannot defile? And then jumping down to verse 21 in Mark chapter 7, it says this. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, Murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and they defile a person. You know, it is a slippery slope that we can get on in church when we start falling back on the traditions that we understand, the traditions that we know, the traditions that we appreciate and we value. And folks, I'm just here to tell you, there's probably nothing wrong with those traditions. Absolutely nothing wrong with them. But it's interesting that God took that concept with the Pharisees about relying on the traditions of men, and then he introduces evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery. And I think what we sometimes forget when we start building on that foundation of traditions, the sand, and we don't realize that one day it's going to get us a lot closer to what's going to come out, the theft, the immorality, the covetousness, pride, foolishness. I don't believe for a second that anyone comes to church and and gives of their time weekly Invest time reading God's word. Invest time praying, hoping that one day they will fall into the, these traps. But the truth of the matter is that it's, it's not the traditions that we're used to that we should rely on. It's God's word. 
One of these things is that probably the, the most relevant for me is in Philippians chapter 1. I just want to read a couple of verses to you. It won't be up on the slide, but let me just add this. Philippians 1, 12, it says, And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from every, uh, envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What's happening here is that, that Paul is in prison. He is being taken to Rome um, to be put before the leadership at that time. And there were churches that were preaching against the very doctrine of Christ that Paul was establishing and using the fact that he was in chains against him. And what they were doing was they were trying to make it back to where it's more convenient for them. But the, the greatness of what Paul says is this. No matter what they say, as long as they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm okay with that. And so one of the things, church, that I just want to share with you, and I want to give you some confidence in this, is that, you know, uh, things around here have changed a little bit in the last year. Amen. Here's what I want to say, is that I don't want you to be afraid of the change. There's more change coming. Uh, there, there's another year coming, 2020. And, and God is uh, about to unleash uh, things on our city that we've never seen before. And as that happens, I want you to understand this. And I want you to have this confidence that um, I will always preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, none of that other things matter. None of those other changes. None of those other traditions. And, and folks, again, I, I bring, you know, 45 years of tradition with me. But, you know, God had to work on me. And he, he used multiple different churches that I got exposed to where I saw things that were against the, the, the very way I was brought up, but I saw God work. I saw God reach hearts. I saw God transform lives. And so I am more concerned that God is transforming lives than that what I'm doing here is popular. I'm more concerned that God is making a difference in your life than that God is blessing the numbers here. How do we do that? By always proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if it's not popular culture that we're building on, if it's not tradition, sometimes we'll find ourselves falling back on reason. The Bible tells us very clearly, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end, it leads to death. And that's out of Proverbs 16, 25. And let me share this with you. That, 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 you know, a lot of times we read that and we think, oh, you know, that horrible decision you made. It's, it's not necessarily a, a massive, horrible decision they made. It might be just a little decision. But it doesn't line up with God's truth. And that little decision, one day, no matter how harmless it seems to be on the uh, surface, leads to death. Ultimately, every one of us come to a fork in the road one day. Where we either accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross... And we, we head that way. Or we deny what Jesus Christ did on the cross and we go the other direction. No matter what, at the end of the day, if we deny Jesus Christ and we go the other direction, no matter what our decision is, no matter what our thousands of decisions are from that point, it always leads 
to death. You know, there's a popular saying that, um, you know, there's two things for sure, death and taxes. Well, the reality is very true on one part, death. You know, fortunately for us as Christians, if we will rely on God's word, we'll find out that we don't have to worry about that. And the last uh, unreliable foundation is our emotions. You know, it is so easy. It is so easy to wake up on Monday and decide you want to go in a totally different direction. And not realizing that that's not the direction God wants you to go. Matter of fact, if you find yourselves always following the path of least resistance, you will never, ever reach the level of success. You will never, ever reach the level of transformation in your life. Folks, if, if, it was, if the, the best way was the easiest way, we'd all be on that path. But if you look around life and you look at the people who are taking the easy way out in their walk with the Lord, you will find out that they don't have a very deep spiritual life. And when, when trials come and overcome them, they don't have that foundation to rely on. Instead, it's the, the unreliable foundation of sand that ultimately will fail. Judges said it this way, and at that time there was no king in Israel. And the people did whatever they felt like doing. You know, we've got to be careful of this. And, and folks, this is a balance that we have to... Um, Make every day, every week. Are we going to listen to God's word? Or are we going to listen to what people say? Because if you stand up for God's word, it's unpopular. Especially in a post-Christian culture, which America is. I know all of our coins and dollar bills saying God we trust. But I don't think that that's a true statement when it comes to our, our country. The only time it seems like we trust in God is when calamity strikes. When bad things happen in our country. I'm here to tell you that God is there when calamity happens. And he's there when we're on a beach in the Bahamas. God is there no matter what's going on. So do not let your emotions rule you. And the way that you transform or change that is. You go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we renew our mind? By digging into God's word. By memorizing God's word. By hiding God's word in our heart. So if we're going to avoid the unreliable foundations, the way that we do this is we, you need to be positive. You need to take action. And so I want to show you how to act on God's word. Matter of fact, I've been doing this for the last couple of weeks. Um, one of the memory verses was James uh, 1.22, and it said this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That whole live it, that's the most important part. See, God's word is established. It's been established. It will be established. When I've come and gone and I'm, I'm a distant memory, God's word will still be true. When your life comes to an end, when no matter what's happening in your life or what season you're in today, when it's all said and done, God's word will still be true. No matter what your friends tell you, no matter what people post about you on Facebook, no matter what's going on, God's word will be true. So we need to act on it. And so each week I brought something for you to do to act on. And the first week is I introduced you a Bible study method called Pronounce It, where you take a verse and you would emphasize each word aloud. And, and I hope that you did that and you found out that sometimes little words that you overlooked many times in your life had a powerful impact and could change your outlook on life. 
Then the second week, I introduced you to that concept called uh, picture it, where you would visualize the scene in your mind. I would encourage you to put yourself in the scene, whether it was where they were lowering the, uh, the, the invalid man to, to Jesus, ripping out the roof, or whether it was at the scene of the cross. Where would you have been? It changes the way you look at Scripture when you put yourself there. The third week, I uh, introduced you to the concept called probe it, to dig into God's word, to pull it apart. And if you were in a small group, you got introduced to this acronym called Space Pets. It's a bunch of different questions that you would ask. And what this did was allow you to dig into God's word at a much deeper level. Last week, I shared with you how to personalize it, how to put your name in the verse, and how powerful that can be. And today, I want to share with you the, the final of the six different methods of meditating on God's word, and that is to pray it. And so to do that, I would ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. And I'm going I'm to read it. Uh, the words are up on the screen. If you are, uh, have your phone open, I would turn to version. I would follow along on this live event. I would put some notes in here. But what I want to do is share with you probably a, a method of Bible study that may, many people just overlook. They know that it's here. They know that it's available to them. And yet, for whatever reason, they overlook it accidentally or on purpose. I don't know. But Ephesians 3 and verse 20 says this. Now, glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And so what I want to do is I want to break down this verse into different segments. And I want to show you how you can pray these uh, things. And, and when we pray them, we pray them in different areas of our life. And so first it says, now glory be to God. Do you really give God glory? You know, it's not just a, a fancy word that it says to give God glory. Let me, let me just model how when I pray, I try to give God's glory. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much that you have been so powerful, that you have aligned all of the events in my life. And God, that, that you get the glory for the good things that have come. Not my actions, not my work, God. And I thank you so much that, that you have been so real in every area of my life. When I served you while I was in the military, as our family grew into uh, multiple different family members and continue to add, Lord, I thank you and I give you the glory. I, th I give you all the honor. It is not through my effort. It's not through my abilities, God. It is only because you had grace and you poured it out on my life. I thank you for that. The second phrase in here says, who by his mighty power at work within us. Did you realize that God, the creator of the universe, is at work in your life? Now I know some of you may wake up and be like, I don't know, Ronnie. Have you seen my life lately? And I'm here to share with you that no matter how dark the night is, no matter how tough the situation is that you're going through, that the creator of the universe is at work in your life. And he's not just barely getting by when he's working in your life. He's working at a level that's powerful. So the question is, how do we pray that? I'll pray it simply like this. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that when, when it seems like my friends and my family don't understand me, that God, you are still working in that situation. 
God, when it seems like uh, people don't understand or question the motives, God, I thank you that you're working on those hearts. God, I thank you that you're working on my heart, that you're showing me. And God, I just praise you. I give you the glory and the honor. And I, God, I thank you that you would take time out of all that you are doing to rule and run this world, that you would be a part of my life. And the next phrase takes it up another level and it says this, is able to do far more than we would ever dare ask or even dream of. You know, and as I look at these verses, I think of three different areas that I, want, I pray back to God in. Number one is I pray to him personally. I pray to him uh, in my work job and I pray to him in my home. And so as I look and I see that he's able to do more than we would ever dare ask or even dream of personally. You know, I think about how that God has brought many different uh, opportunities in my life. Just two weeks ago, I got to go back to my hometown. I got to go into a, a middle school and there were 1,200 kids there yelling and screaming. And I had the opportunity to bless them. Not only did I have the opportunity to bless them, but I had the opportunity to bless a man who when I was nine years old was my youth pastor. And I had a chance to build him up and show them what a precious treasure that they had in their school. When I see that he's doing more um, than we could ever dare ask or even dream of, and I apply this into my work area, I think about it this way. Here at our church, oh, folks, I I said this a couple weeks ago, uh, that you have not seen anything yet at Temple Baptist Church. I'm here to tell you that God is just getting started folks he is going to fill these pews he is going to take each and every one of us and if we will be willing if we will let God's word uh, work through us he is going to use us to transform the greater Centralia area folks I know there's other churches and I love them but I am committed to what God is doing here at Temple Baptist Church I am committed to what God is doing through each and every one of you. And so when I see you, I don't see someone who just comes to a service and sits in a pew. I see someone who God is doing an incredible work in your life. I see someone who is doing more than you could ever think, that you would ever dream. Many of you have shared with me how you see things happening here at Temple Baptist Church. And when I hear that, a joy just overflows because I know that God is going to do so much more than that. When I think of my family and my home and I think about what God is doing for us and through us and in us, it's amazing. You know, you, many of you don't know this, uh, but when we chose to come to Centralia, we had two choices. One, uh, follow God's will and come here and uh, be the pastor at Temple Baptist Church or go and move where our children were, where our grandkids were. It was a tough decision. Matter of fact, I would tell you that it was probably the hardest decision that I've had to make in, in a decade. Because we, our heart's desire was to uh, be there with our kids and be with our grandkids. As military, you get pulled away, you get told to go. Um, I was away more Father's Days than I was there because of the military. Not only that, but they pulled us away from our family, and so they would, you know, eight hours, 12 hours, 17 hours away from family. So um, all of our vacations were going back to see family. And now I get to see God doing so much more than ever I could ask or think. 
Because it wasn't three months after we were here in Centralia. And we knew that this is where we were supposed to be. We, matter of fact, the way that I said this was, I was scared not to come to Centralia because God had made it so crystal clear. And then here's what I can tell you is that even more than I would dare ask or even dream of, we got a phone call from our son saying, hey, we might be moving up there. And today, it's, I hate to embarrass you guys, but my son, Colin, and his wife, Katie, is here. Um, they walked away from a very comfortable life, a very good life, so that she could go to nursing school. He gave up a very nice job, very comfortable job, very well-paying job, and came up here and would scratch and claw to make sure that he got enough money to take care of his family. Kids, I just want to tell you that this verse is true. That God is doing so much more than you can ever dream of. And one day, those two little boys and whatever other little boys and girls you bring to us. <laughs> no pressure. God is going to use this time to bless you. He's going to use this time to bless your family. There's so many times where I had to take steps back. Because I had reached... Uh, the, it was comfortable. It was a good position to be in. But I had to take steps back. I had to move over to another area. It was hard. It was tough. I'm, let me just say that sometimes it was miserable. But when I did that, and I look back three years later, God took us further. He took us to a better place that we would have never, ever went to if we weren't willing to give up the comfort, if we weren't willing to give up the good things that God had put into our lives, the things that there was nothing wrong with. Then I go to this last passage and it says, infinitely beyond. Did you know that Disney Toy Story was in scripture? Where Buzz Lightyear says, to infinity and beyond. He took it straight here from Ephesians chapter 3. I bet you they didn't didn't get any credit in that in the movie. But God says it this way, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Where are you at? Where is God working in your life personally? I'm here to tell you that he, is, he sees infinitely beyond what you're seeing. He uh, is so far beyond the prayers that you're asking him. The problem is we just don't have the patience to wait for him to give the answer. He sees your heart's desire. He sees the thoughts that you have. He sees the hopes that are in your heart. And I'm telling you that the God of heaven, your Savior the ruler of the world, he wants to see those things come to pass. Maybe it's at work. Maybe you're like, oh, you don't understand. I hate my boss. (laughs) So did Joseph. But yet God took what his brothers meant for evil and turned it into good. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what you're thinking about about your current job situation, that God sees infinitely beyond what your prayers are. He sees beyond that promotion. He sees beyond that pay raise. He sees beyond getting rid of those three co-workers that drive you crazy. How far beyond does he see infinitely? You know, when I think about Temple Baptist Church, and I think about the vision that God has put in my heart, And then I read this verse. And all I can do is go to God in prayer. And God, I thank you so much that you see so far beyond 
my heart's desire for everyone sitting here. You see so far beyond the prayers that I've brought to you on behalf of those that are hurt and sick, that are, that are living with loved ones that soon won't be here, that are going through physical challenges and pain. And God, I thank you. I thank you that as we get through this, there is glory on the other side. And then I think of family. How's God working in your family? You know, we sell God so short when it comes to our family. Because we know better. Like, God, I would ask for this, but I know better. My son's never going to do that. My daughter's never going to do that. My kids aren't going to listen. And the problem is that you're relying so much on yourself. You, you, you gave up the foundation of God's word. And you start building it on sand. And you don't even realize that. And here's what I would tell you is you take Ephesians chapter 3 and you pray it over your family. You pray it over those children and those grandchildren that are breaking your heart. Because I'm here to tell you that God loves them infinitely more than you do. God cares about them more than you ever could care about them. God wants to see them be successful more than you ever want them to be successful. But the problem is, God needs to bring some things in their life. He needs to work on them. He needs to do some pruning. He needs to change some behaviors. And to do that, it hurts. And what your children, and what your grandchildren, and what your husband, and what your wife need more than anything else is you praying and believing in them. I won't say this for any other men, but I can tell you that we as husbands and as fathers, we carry a burden that is hard. And we don't get it right. We beat ourselves up. And folks, when we do that, we've taken ourselves off the foundation of God's word and we've built it on sand. And ultimately, one day, it's going to crumble. Your family needs you to believe in them and to believe for them sometimes when they don't have the faith to believe. Let me close with this. I want to tell you about, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 7, or chapter 4, I'm sorry. Mark chapter 4, um, Jesus shares a parable with his disciples. The parable was uh, one that's called the parable of the sower or the parable of the seed. Uh, but the truth of the matter is it's really not about the sower or the seed. It's about the soil. Because, um, well, let me just read it to you and, and you'll probably figure it out very quickly. Again, he began, and I'm reading verse 1, and began he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that they got, he got into a boat and sat in and on the sea. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among, along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, and since it had no depth of soil... And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among thorns, and, it, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now you hear this quote by Jesus many times in the book of Revelation. Uh, you saw that in, in the passage in Mark uh, 7, and he's saying it here again. He who has ears, let him hear. And, and what he, he was telling him is that, you know, it's not enough just to hear it with your ears, but you've got to hear it with your heart. See, it's not enough just to learn God's word. It's not enough just to love God's word, but we have to live God's word. Because if we don't live it, as we learn in James chapter 1, we're somebody who hears it and, and goes up out our way and forgets what we just heard. And as we continue on in Mark chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything else is in parables. Now, now this is hurt. So, they, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. Now he's explaining it. So the, what's being sown is the word of God. That's what we've been doing for the last six weeks. We've been sowing God's word into our lives, into the life of our church, into the life of those around us. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones on the rock and ground and the ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. And those are those that hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, God's word. And it proves unfruitful. They quit building on that foundation, and they start building on the foundation of um, sand. In verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And so as I... Um, close this series down let me just share with you every one of us in here today our hearts are one of those four soils you may be here you may have been here every week for the last six weeks and the truth of the matter is nobody else knows this but you know this is true that your heart is hardened that none of these words none of God's scripture nothing I've said up here nothing they've saying up here has touched you affected you and the reality is that you have a closed mind and if you don't cultivate it, if you don't take the plow to it, one day the Bible says that your ways will end in death. And it doesn't mean just the death of your body here, but it means the death of your soul. It means separation from God himself for all eternity. And some of you here are not the hardened soil, but rather the shallow soil. And what you find is that you have a superficial mind. You, you love the concept of loving God's word, but... You can't do it. You, you've got Bibles. You've got memory verses, but you don't memorize them. And if you do memorize them, you don't put them into practice in your life. And what you need to do if you find yourself like that, you need to take God's word and hide it. 
deep in your heart. Don't let it be a surface belief, but let it be a deeply held belief, one that won't change when the storms come in life, one that won't change when the enemy, Satan himself, comes, one that won't change when the weeds grow up. Or maybe you find yourself where you're like the soil where the weeds did grow up and and you've got a preoccupied mind. You're busy with everything that's going on in life. Folks, these are things that are important to you. They're your children, your grandchildren, your husband, your wife. These are your friends, your coworkers. These are the things that, uh, where am I going to get the money to pay the bills? Where am I going to be able to get money to put food on the table for my family? These are good things, but God said that the sparrow thinks not of where it's going to eat or what it's going to put on itself because God takes care of him. And folks, um, I'm not here to tell you to be uh, uh, irrespective of thinking about where God is working in your life. I'm here to tell you that God will take care of you if you will turn to him, if you will rely on him, if you will lean on him. And if you don't, you'll find the weeds that will come up. So how do, we, how do we get rid of that? How do we eliminate the distractions? Well, Jeremiah 4, 3 says it this way, that we have to take the plow and we have to break up that fallow ground, that hard ground. And that act of breaking it up, it hurts. But when that happens, God brings in fresh, oxygenated soil. He brings in a way that when the water comes down, it doesn't run off, it de- soaks in deep down and allows your roots to grow deeper and deeper. Make no mistake about it, folks. I'm not here to tell you that when you commit to a life of Christ, that life gets easier. Matter of fact, I would say that probably doesn't. It gets a little bit harder. But the retirement plan that God offers is out of this world. It's one that you will never regret for eternity. The 10 years, the 20 years, the 40 years of happiness that you get on life by rejecting God's principles and living the way you want to live, one day will come to an end. And the Bible tells us that the end thereof is death. And the last type of soil was the good soil. The good soil was those with a willing mind. And and many of you, I've seen this. I've seen your life change over the last five weeks. I've seen God working in your life. and, And it hurts. It's uncomfortable. You'd rather not be going through this. I'd rather not. You have to go through this. But folks, you have to. If you don't allow God to... To get the plow down in your life and turn that uh, earth over, you are going to continue to reject God's word. You're going to continue to build your house on sand. You are going to continue to do things that you don't want to do. And you're going to continue to get results that you don't want to get. Church, why are we doing things differently? Here's why. Because if we continue to do things the way you did them before I got here, we'll get the results that you got before I got here. It's, it's hard. It's different. My friend, we're about to go through a transition where the lighting and the sound system gets changed. It's frustrating on our perspective when we try and we put in hours of practice and then the sound system does what it wants to on Sunday. <laughs> Folks, I'm not going to give the devil enough credit. And we're going to take the resources that God has given us and we are going to get control of this so that you don't get distracted. So that when you... Co- Folks, I've heard it's too loud. I've heard, I can't hear what the, the music's playing up here. I've heard all of those things. And, and church, we are going to make changes. We are going to make a difference. We are going to build an atmosphere where when you come here on Sunday morning, you don't have to be thinking about what's going on outside. All you can do is think about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's why we're making these changes. The Bible says that if you will lift Jesus high, he will draw all men to himself. Folks, that's what we want to do is we want to lift the name of Jesus. We don't lift Ronnie. Folks, I'm not going to draw very many people. We don't want to lift Jermaine. We don't want to lift Gary. We don't want to lift Alicia. Folks, if we do that, we will cap ourselves out at a very small impact. What instead we have dedicated our lives to doing is lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. We are going to build it on a solid foundation, and that is God's word. Matter of fact, you are going to hear me preach more times about you needing to study God's word than maybe anything else. You're going to hear me preach about the fact that we as Christians need to learn to actively confess our sins. Folks, if you go a week without making confession of your sin, you are just drifting from God. And now, now I've heard a pastor say this, that he can't remember the last time he sinned. And all I could think of was, you just did again. He was talking years when it was a moment away. Folks, don't think that you are less of a Christian because you have to go and confess 3, 5, 10, 25 times a day. God's grace is sufficient. And until you learn to confess sins 25 times a day, you'll never get to the point where you only have to confess one time a day. And instead of confessing and falling and confessing and falling and confessing and falling, what you find is you just don't confess and you walk away from God. And then you look at everything that's happened in your life and you start making decisions that are not based on God's word. You start making bad decisions. And at the end of the day, those decisions you make are going to lead to death. Whose death? Yours. People always ask me, what's the hardest thing about pastoring a church? And I'll tell you, it's not getting up here and preaching. It's not figuring out why the sound system won't do what we want it to do. The hardest thing, the thing that breaks my heart and causes more tears, is to watch God working in your lives. And then you leave here on Sunday and forget about it. And come back next Sunday and I watch God work on your life. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your face. I see it in your heart. And you walk out of here and you forget about it. So well, how do you know? I got Facebook too. <laughs> That's a good thing and it's a horrible thing. Especially if you're friends with your pastor. <coughs> Church, I love you. Every one of you. One of the things that I've told you time and time again is that Temple Baptist Church is going to grow. Folks, when I say that, you see filling pews. And yes, we will fill these pews. But what you don't see is what I'm really saying. And that I want us to grow spiritually. If you would ask, here I am a year later, has this last 12 months been a success or not? You are the answer to that. The question is this. Are you a stronger Christian? Are you closer to the Lord? Do you spend more time reading God, the Bible? Do you find yourself praying more? If the answer to that is yes, then I have been successful. If you're honest with me and with yourself, and you say, no, I don't, I failed. I failed miserably. But you see, that's not going to stop me from coming back next week and preaching again. And giving you everything I got. It's not going to stop. 
See, here's what happens. When you surrender, and one day you will surrender. The Bible says this. One day, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Folks, we're not going to confess whether or not hymns or um, contemporary Christian songs are what God wants to hear. We're not going to hear about that. That's not what we're going to confess. We're not going to confess about which version was the best version when we bow on our knee before God. We're not going to confess about whether or not I should wear a tie or whether or not I should have a bigger Bible or whether or not I can use my phone as the Bible. That is not what we're going to confess to God one day when we stand before him. We're going to confess one thing, and that is that Jesus was the Son of God. That he gave up his role as the Son of God. He was born a man by a virgin named Mary. He lived a life. He lived a perfect life. He lived a life that Adam couldn't live, that Gary can't live. Ronnie can't live. Chris can't live. Monica can't live. He lived the life that we couldn't do. So that one day, one day, when we bow on our knees and we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, what he did secures us for eternity. Eternity, folks. Many of you are afraid to make decisions for Christ because you're afraid of What's going to happen today, in the next hour, the next week, the next month? And I'm here to tell you that those decisions are going to cripple you for all of eternity. The embarrassment that you feel like you're going to go, and I don't know why you're embarrassed in this environment. Because every one of you that make a decision for Christ and you say that aloud here, we will cheer with you. But I'm here to tell you. That every one of you that make it out that door today without responding to what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you, the only ones cheering are the devil and his angels, the demons. And they'll make your life a little comfortable. And then one day you'll die. You'll be separated from God forever. You don't have to do that, folks. Will you stand to your feet and listen to the, the words that I'm about to say? Maybe you came into this, hold off on the song. Maybe you came into this service today, and as I was preaching, you recognized which soil you were. And if you would, just everyone close our eyes, let's bow our heads, and, and think about this. Take an inventory. Which one of the soils? And if you, if you recognize that, you know what, Ronnie, you're right. I know my heart is hard. I know that I am not living the life I want to live, let alone the life that God wants me to live. If that's you, if you would raise your hand, allow me to pray for you. Thank you. God, you've seen the hearts here. Lord, I ask that you would take your Holy Spirit and that you would dig in and that you would turn that soil over and God, that you would show them the life that can be had, that you promised that's so much greater. Maybe you found yourself as that superficial soil. You come, you love what you hear, it sounds great, and you walk out and you forget before you get to Bonnie Cafe what God had said to you here in the service. If that's you, raise your hand. Allow me to go to the throne on your behalf. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you see the hands, you see the hearts. God, I ask that you would take the weeds in their life and just allow their roots to grow deep in your word. Maybe you came in this morning and you recognized that this past five weeks has been such a blessing. That you find yourself reading God's word more. That you find yourself 
receiving God's word more than you ever have in your life. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? Allow me to praise and glorify God with you. God, you see the hearts, you see the, you see the smiles on the faces. Lord, I pray that you will not stop this week. God, that, that you will continue just to pour your words into each and every one here. Allow them to have that mind that they receive your word, that they hear it, they accept it, and Lord, they change. And God, by them changing, Lord, you allow them to impact others to change. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.